Welcome to Back to Us, the podcast. Join us as we decompress after leaving the fire and brimstone of evangelical spaces. In this episode, we discuss rather disturbing topics that are portrayed in evangelical media, propaganda, in Carolyn's opinion, specifically the idea of the execution of children after a very hypothetical rapture occurs. These events are entirely fictional, but still bizarre and disturbing. We also briefly mention pregnancy loss as well. In any case, if you find these topics to be especially triggering, you might want to skip this one. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Unsaved friend, are you ready for the Lord's return? What will the rapture mean to you? It will mean that you will be left behind to pass through tribulations such as the world has never seen. The rapture. The rapture. Here we are. No. Are we here? Oh, I think we are. And I forgot, this was like the topic that really inspired us to do, to start the podcast. Um, I guess before we start, maybe we should acknowledge a couple of slight changes that we're making to the show. We have decided to take the podcast in a different direction, maintaining Carolyn as the anchor host and myself, Lynn, will appear from time to time as a guest and this is in the best interest of our podcast and our listeners and ourselves. A guest and expert, I should say, because you're my you're my theology expert. <laughs> okay, I hope someday maybe I can be an expert. Which I mean, I'm hoping you can shed some light on this topic because I'm real confused and I'm really salty about it because I just spent the last two hours reading reviews and watching YouTube trailers of terrible rapture movies. So just to get myself in the mood for what we're about to do here. Someday um, I'm going to come up to see you and we're going to watch. What, what's the one that you told me about? The one I just sent you? Okay, so it's called, I think it's called Left Behind, aptly titled. I mean, you'd think there's been apparently over 30 of these types of movies. You'd think they could find a different title. Um, but this one, yeah, it's literally called Left Behind with Nicolas Cage. And it's from 2014. So I don't know how, like, I love bad movies. I don't know how I've missed this. Um, I mean, it did get a 3.1 in IMDb, so. How, did a, how does a 3.1 compare? Like, are critics harsh or like... You know I more mean, about it's out of a 10. Oh, not <laughs> so, Got it. so it's out of a 10. Um, oh, and my. I had heard that Nick Cage was kind of taking over because Kirk Cameron was doing these left behind movies for a while. And I had heard that Nick Cage was going to be like the new Kirk Cameron, but I thought that was kind of in process. I had no idea that they made this movie. It was in 2014 with Chad Michael Murray and Jordan Sparks. Like, and it's just, and I knew that Jordan Sparks did a cover to that awful song, um, I Wish We Were Ready, which oh, I will no. not, I will not sing that here because it will get, anyone who knows the song, I, they'll get stuck in their head forever and I won't do that to you. But um, yeah, no, this is uh, a terrible, terrible, I mean, if you want to laugh, if you like a bad movie, watch the trailer for this or better yet, watch the movie. It's so bad. And um, yeah, I'm not sure how, how we missed this, but it was on a website that I found that had 30 or 30 rapture movies, um, all different production companies too. <laughs> so um, I guess one of my main questions I have is like, what about the, the idea of the rapture is so attractive to in particular, like the evangelical community? That's a great question. I kind of wonder if it's just 
an element of sensationalism. Because if you think about it, I'm not sure if that idea would have been so popularized had it not been for the books and the movies in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Um, because that idea started at the end of the 19th century. So what took so long for it to get so big? You know what I mean? There were other forms of media around back then, like somebody could easily have written a novel about it back then or, you know, some sort of, I don't know, article. Like, okay, they didn't have movies, but I think if it were more popular or more based in rea in truth, then perhaps it would have circulated more. But it seems like it wasn't until the 80s and 90s that it really exploded within evangelical circles, like multiple evangelical denominations. Yeah, and teaching it as fact, too, not as like this, you know, here's an idea of how it might happen. Like, no, this is because when I first heard about it, it wasn't really we didn't talk about it at home and I hadn't heard about it in church up till that point. But um, I was probably 12 years old and in Sunday school they started making us watch these movies. And I remember the guy um, that uh, taught the Sunday school introducing these movies. And these were the original Left Behind movie, or they weren't called Left Behind, Thief in the Night movies from the 70s. So I think 1972 was when this movie first came out. Um, and he, the way he talked about it was like, basically he said, we're gonna watch these movies, but they're true, they're going to happen. He said, it's gonna happen this way and probably within our lifetime. And he said, and I will never forget this. He said, if this scares you to Jesus, then that's a good thing. Wow. And like, he kind of paused between like, if this scares you to Jesus, like I thought he was going to say like, don't be scared. You, you know, we don't want you to be scared. Cause that, that in my mind would have made sense. Like, but uh, yeah, no, he said, if this scares you to Jesus, that's a good thing. Wow. And we proceeded to watch three of the four movies um, in A Thief in the Night. And um, they're all terrible. They're very, very bad. So if you're not traumatized and like a bad movie, I recommend they're all full length on YouTube. Um, and then I also remember going in and watching some of the Kirk Cameron. I don't remember them very much, but I remember we watched those too. So this must have been months of Sunday school because I think Sunday school was about an hour long. So we had to have done this for months. So this guy, you know, was attached enough to this rapture idea and excited enough about it to be like showcasing all of the rapture propaganda that existed to these kids. Like we were between like, I'd say 11 and 16 probably in that group. And like, I'd never heard of it. So I remember talking to my parents later and asking them and they kind of responded with some uncertainty. They were like, well, we don't know how, if that's how it's gonna happen so it probably won't happen that way but you know we're not really sure but you're fine because you're saved and like for me that was not good enough because you know i was kind of an anxious kid anyway so that like was not going to cut it like imagine your kid coming to you and being like i'm scared of the monster in the closet and then you say well there's no proof that there's a monster in your in your closet you're probably fine you know <laughs> that's not going to be good enough you know what's funny carolyn like so we i heard a lot about it at home too but there was an element of i don't know exactly where my parents were on it because sometimes it seems like they were absolutely and are absolutely convinced of it but then i remember so 
when I was a kid, like little, like young, okay, like for second grade, I just, I would come home from school and the first thing I would do when I got through the front door would be to like just drop my pants because <laughs> I just hated the feeling of pants and like restrictive clothing and like the, I hated going to school. Like, you know, you always, I, I always felt kind of like grungy after school because yeah. at least ours was big. There were a lot of people in there. I felt, I felt like I needed a shower when I came yeah. home. And so I just remember feeling kind of like restricted in my clothes and, and tired. And um, I would just, I don't know, it's just seven-year-old me was like, I hate pants. These are the first <laughs> thing to go. And I would just like drop them and then like step out of them. So my parents started calling them rapture pants. Oh, right. I think I remember you telling me that. And yeah, like, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe we joked about it and still believed in it. But I, I find it interesting that we were able to joke about it and still believe in it. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's funny. Oh, no, but really, really, it's gonna I happen. know. <laughs> I know. And, you know, I guess it really gave us a lot to think about from an early age. And we've touched on this in previous episodes. But, you know, thinking about that at that age, you know, what does it do to the child's mind? Mm -hmm. um, like, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> excuse in, me. In some of the movies, like in the, I remember in the 1970s movies, I had forgotten about this part, but I think it's the third movie. They literally depict, this is, I, maybe I should need to do a content warning for this because this is terrible. I think they, we need to do a content warning. Yeah, this is this is traumatic, especially if it's something that you've been traumatized by by previously. But in the third um, Thief in the Night movie, I think it's called Image of the Beast or something. They have a little kid who looks like he's six or seven, and there's there's a man who literally sends this kid off to go get beheaded. What? Yeah, he wait, literally. Wait what <sighs> yeah this kid which like i guess it's a calvinist viewpoint that babies and kids don't automatically go to heaven or something like that what in the world but i remembered and i forgot about this and when i was kind of like re-watching some of these on youtube i didn't re-watch all of them but i was skipping through to see what i remembered and i was like i forgot about this part there's a grown man with a kid it's not his father i'm not sure what the relationship was because i didn't spend mm -hmm. the time to actually watch it but he tells this kid okay you go out there and you tell them you love jesus no matter what and just close your eyes and you'll be with your mom soon because i guess his mom either was raptured or died this is a movie oh yeah yeah oh my god yeah so and then you see this kid outside and you see a little balloon go in like because he was holding a balloon you see this balloon float up into the sky to like signify that this kid gets killed but i thought it was pretty insidious that they depict i mean they don't show it because you know that's but oh they they hint you know or they don't even hint they wow. basically Disturbing. tell the story of this kid you know being executed which is just horrendous and like honestly like kind of offensive be well, I mean, on many grounds of offensive because it scandalizes, it traumatizes, and it, it it scandalizes the idea of the final judgment, which is in every Christian doctrine. It's just different. It's for from Orthodox Christian camp, like we believe there's a final judgment, but it's everybody all at once. That's it. Christ comes. It's a second coming. There's not 
you know, Christ appears and then he comes or like he comes and then he comes again. Like, I remember being confused by that as a kid because we were always hearing about Christ's second coming. But I remember being like, wait, is the rapture Christ's second coming? Or like, like, why are we being taught that there's like the rapture and his second coming? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just remember being really confused, really confused yeah. about that. And anyway, about that movie, I just, I don't like that people are making it entertainment. And I think that's, that's probably the point that I find the most offensive as a Christian is that it's being turned into entertainment. And ultimately these things are making a profit mm -hmm. and it's playing off people's fears. It's influencing people. I mean, you and I both know that there's probably at, at the heart of it, like I don't wanna be judgmental of what the motive is behind those films, because we know that oftentimes the motive is to you know help people who are not rapturists to believe in the rapture for their own salvation. So it wouldn't surprise me if someone views this as like a mission project. Oh yeah, they totally do. But like, where is, it's still, I don't know, maybe they don't care about profit, but I don't like that it's it's technically a form of entertainment. And I, I don't know, like, like I'm, I'm sure like not all viewers would see it as like, oh, someone's trying to help me. Like, I just, I think to show that kind of content is even looking at like history people who were slaughtered in the first and second centuries i mean like it's just it's just as upsetting that it's in like a popular like modern film to spread an idea that's sadly misguided like yeah anyway sorry <laughs> like no, no no don't be sorry it's just it's, like it's, wow it's interesting i don't like that kids, kids are they throw kids in there sorry yeah, Carol. like that. like when we were watching carolyn sent me the trailer for the nicholas cage <laughs> um film quote film end quote <laughs> and quote production end quote and i shouldn't be too salty um no I really throw the salt like on it there's anything to be salty about i'm sorry it's this topic well i really didn't like how to to pull on the heartstrings of viewers of the audience they show like uh uh what is it called in the hospital the baby's unit like the peds unit oh, the, the natal ward yeah the natal ward and they have all these, you know, left behind little blankets. And it's just like, for someone, like, I've had loss. I've had pregnancy loss. Like, a lot of women, what is it, one in five? Like, that's very one disturbing. In one in four. That's, mm -hmm. it's just, I just think it's very insensitive. And I don't like how it's an idea. Like, it's strange to me that a an idea that claims to be rooted in the Christian scriptures, holy scripture, Mm -hmm. is perpetuated by fear of losing your children and being separated from your children and having your baby like taken away from you like that's just so bonkers to me and it, yeah i just it i think it upsets me too not just the content but like that it is antithetical to like the traditional christian view up until the 19th century like I was preparing for this podcast listening to one priest talk about it like you know how does the church view it kind of like what's our response to it which interestingly like i don't know that there's a ton of content out there about it um probably because we just don't focus on it like all you mean that from the orthodox perspective yeah yeah and he said that like um oh he said that if it's so rooted in scripture and so accurate 
and so inherently Christian, then why is it never mentioned by any of the church fathers or mothers? Why is it not mentioned in any of the early Christian writings for 1800 years? Yeah. The word rapture is not even, I think it's in the Bible, but used in another way. I sent you an article that I was especially uh, upset by. <laughs> this is the first thing I think I sent you today when we were talking about doing this. Um, this is the one, Why a Pre-Tribulational Rapture by Richard L. Mayhew, the Master's Seminary. So these are presumably, you know, educated individuals, which is what I find baffling. Um, and in this, First Thessalonians, this is a quote, First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17, unquestionably, unquestionably refers to a rapture that is eschatological in nature. Hence, harpazo is translated caught up. But then they go on to say like different ways you can translate that. And they also go on to say that the word rapture was attributed after. So I'm sorry, unquestionable. I'm of the opinion that nothing is unquestionable. We can question, we should be able to question anything. And if there's something questionable, especially regarding the end times, it's definitely this. This is 1 million percent questionable. And that's being generous, I think. It's me being salty again. That's my opinion. And they go on and on. I mean, it's just, just they, they say these things as fact. And that's what really bothers me is like, if you actually read like all the things they wrote about this, there's only um, interpretations. There's no actual fact here, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's where like, like when I was thinking about this topic for today, like I was remembering in my mind the fact that for the people who uphold, for rapturists, we'll call them rapturists, usually they're of the understanding that scripture is it. And um, like Carolyn, you mentioned earlier, when you look at some comments on social media sites, commenting on the videos, the trailers, you'll see a lot of comments that say, you know, well, just look at scripture or like, you know, scripture, sola scriptura. I mean, that is a pillar of Protestantism, um, the pillar of Protestantism, probably um, like what kind of separates it from the Catholic and Orthodox churches. But the Bible as we know it was not compiled for a very long time. Yeah. And so when we look at what St. Paul wrote, it, this, this is a compilation of scriptures that were decided by, this is where it also was funny, decided by bishops to be included in the canon. So I find it kind of funny sometimes, like a lot of the rapture talk comes down to like, just look at scripture, I think. Um, just look at it, right? Like in English, in the whatever, ESV, NASV, like whatever version you're reading, um, look at scripture. But it was through men that scripture was compiled, like the canons were gathered together. And there were some books that are included in, um, you know, the Apocrypha, um, isn't there, oh my gosh, there's just, there's just so many things. Like there are books that like were very, um, like kind of got in by a hair or like like there were some books that like Martin Luther didn't think should be in there at all like I'm pretty sure he wanted to get rid of was it James or Hebrews I can't remember which one oh, really? the one that talks about the importance of works um in addition to faith yeah so I'm just kind of confused why you know the simple answer to a lot of like the rapture questions are to just look at scripture but 
scripture itself wasn't compiled until quite some time later. So when you don't, I, I feel like the rapture view is the, I think it is a product of a lack of belief in tradition, which the majority of the Christian world does have, which we refer to as the Holy Fathers, you know, the writings, the writings of the first century, second century, people who literally were with the apostles, with Paul, and passed those teachings on from one to the other. And if you veered from them and started saying your own stuff, well, then you couldn't teach because you're not supposed to make stuff up. So I think it's just the product of like when there's a lack of tradition and like safe like safeguarding of like the original early church teachings. And I was just amazed like to learn later in life that like we can actually read those things. They are translated in English, but like we can access early church stuff. I mean, first century documents like the Didache, like I mean, it it just has zero coherency with what the church taught for almost 2000 years. So that's why I, I find it very interesting, like you, that it seems to be surfacing so much now. Why do you think it's, why, why I guess, and you know what, Carolyn, it, it was a lot during our early lifetime, like 80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, the first, I think the very first one, if I'm being honest, if I'm remembering correctly, was a short film from like 1946. I'm actually going to fact check that. Oh, right. no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to watch that one. 1940s. Yeah. The Rapture, 1941. Are you ready? I'm, I'm not, to be honest. No. <laughs> oh, was that what? Oh. Oh, I don't mean to play this right now, but. Oh, this is bad. We'll have to watch this later. Um, But yeah, it was the first movie on that list of 30 that I found Uh, from, I think it was Creepy Catalog which is aptly title, the website that I found. Creepy catalog. Yeah, which I'll have to include in our show notes because, I mean, anyone <laughs> that likes bad movies. Do you know what about John Darby while you're looking that up? Um, so John Darby is the man who is accredited to be, who, who's given the credit of being the father of dispensationalism. And um, mm. that that's where the origins of the rapture theory lie. Um, but one source I was listening to was saying that he developed this theory in response to the invention of the telegraph hmm. because he was interpreting that as a sign that the end of the world was near. And I did hear that some people were really like worried about the telegraph because Only all of a they sudden- they can see now what we have. <laughs> oh, right? Gosh, yeah, it was just fear probably. And today, actually I heard that, I heard that um, one idea is that perhaps it resurfaced in like the 80s and 90s. I forget what the reason for that might have been. Um, but someone said that it's resurfacing like today in response to COVID. Yes. And like, especially in the States, like the chaos that our country's experiencing politically, socially, economically. Yeah. I mean, it seems like any anytime something new or negative or whatever happens, they like to throw the idea of the rapture onto it but literally up the street from me there's a few churches um i shouldn't say up the street it's about maybe 20 or 30 minutes north of me there's um literally churches that are telling their congregations not to get the covid vaccine because uh it's i don't know if they say it's the mark of the beast but they're implying it and also they're telling people that if you get the covid vaccine it's a sin Oh my goodness. So they are responsible for in our area COVID basically exploding. 
and the ICU, they had to shut down the labor and delivery ward in our hospital just because the ICU is crowded with these people, literally from these churches. And um, yeah, so you can tell that that's directly related to, you know, them probably reading in end times to, uh, to like to what's happening. And it's just, it's really sad because it's a lot of living in fear, I think. And, but sometimes I think there's an aspect to some of these people, not all of them, but to some of them where they want it to be true. Mm. Like, I think they want to live in this day and age where the rapture happens. And mm-hmm. it, it just seems like similar to like people who are kind of preppers, you know, people that, um, buy a billion cans of vegetables and a bunch of water and survival stuff. Like they're talking about the being prepared in the event of a disaster, but it seems like there's this air of like, they're almost excited for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's to me what it seems like there's an aspect of that to the sensationalism to a lot of the, um, I'm calling it propaganda. Cause I think that's what it is. Even if it's well-intended just because someone's well-intended does not mean there's no harm being done in my opinion. Anyway, I, I think that there's an aspect of like some of them kind of want these things to be true because they want to live in the day and age that, you know, Jesus comes back and and all this stuff happens. I mean, I don't think they want to be the ones to go through, you know, the tribulation, but in their in their view, they won't because the rapture happens first and all the non-believers are left. Um, and I, I've always wondered, how, like, I think it's interesting that it's like a Western Christian idea and how much connection there is to well when did this come about around the industrial revolution i think a lot of people were worried about the world at that point like a lot of people thought that that was right weren't there some people who thought that that was the end because of every every new kind of thing there's always people worried about that right and like they were people who were really upset about you know all the industrialization i mean i would i would probably be appalled and shocked too if you lived a rural life and all of a sudden like everything's covered in soot and you know smells and pollution like like they probably never even saw pollution like that before and if you look up like Vict- like what is it victorian england right like the sewage systems were absolutely disgusting during the industrial revolution there was literally fecal matter in the street and somebody had a job and his job was to clean up human excrement. Like, it probably seemed like hell on earth. And it looks a little bit like that. It's mm. disgusting and unsanitary, you know? So I can... And oh, and then there was influenza, right? Right. So yeah. all... And then World War One, And so I can see why there's this repeated, like... Like, everybody seems convinced in their time that that is the last time. But um, I do kind of wonder about the role of the rapture. Like, <sighs> the role that Western culture plays into the development of that idea and comfort because it seems like the rapture can be used as an escapist Mm. idea well if life's uncomfortable well like and i remember feeling like well that's okay because like i'll just be removed from it eventually like whereas like eastern christianity views struggles and hard hardship very differently and we're taught not to look for you know ease like I don't want to be too harsh with my words, but like easy answers or like just just to escape it. Like, of course, we pray for God's mercy and for relief. You know, like we don't just like sit like like if I get the flu, I'm not just going to sit on my couch and not take medicine because I think that it's good that I'm in pain. But like, <laughs> you know, like it's more like handling things with patience and kindness and just pushing through things and trying our very best to maintain our faith that God's working everything out for us, but not like, like, 
there's not this idea that, you know, we're just going to be pulled out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, oh, the world is so bad. Well, okay, well, we'll be removed from it. And I, I, I just wonder about, like, you know, our our discomfort with discomfort. Because it seems to be kind of like, like, it comes up, and I don't know, like, about you, but, like, I've heard in conversations about, like, there's a lot of conversations about the state of the world, like, in our lifetime. Things do seem to be getting, like, worse. Like, people are getting like I, I think probably because of technology and all of that like there's less patience there's more isolation like there's a lot of stuff about the world that has changed um but some in some circles when this kind of stuff comes up i find that the rapture works has worked its way into those conversations like mm -hmm. well you know when we're taken up into the air and, and it seems to be kind of like the like in a way a comforting idea which is weird because it does instill a lot of fear as well but i don't know if i'm making any sense i kind of wonder about like like, is this a way to explain away discomfort? Yeah, like, like, oh, this is, of course, this is happening because this is supposed to happen at the end times. This makes sense now, kind of a thing, maybe. This, I kind of wonder if we can go here. Do you think we should define the rapture, by the way? I mean, can you? Can you? I do have, I do have a good one. I could read it. Yeah. So, what is the rapture, and where does it come from? This is an excerpt taken from the book by Father Andrew Stephen Damit called Orthodoxy and Heterodoxy. I believe he's a convert from, I think he might've been Lutheran, I'm not sure. Um, so he writes, basically, what is the rapture? He writes, when the end of the world is approaching, this is according to rapturists, Christ will appear in the sky and hover there. All true believers will then be raptured up into the air to follow Christ back to heaven. What happens after that is a matter for some debate. Whether there are seven literal years of a great tribulation, or whether that will already have happened for a while, or will be ending at that moment. Armageddon, the end time, may happen before or after as well. There's some debate over whether anyone will notice the rapture is occurring, because some people believe in a secret rapture. Ooh. But in any case, the rapture must take place before the second, the final second coming of Christ. And, um, the idea for the rapture is apparently largely based on First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, which says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. But where, like, Speaking from Orthodox camp, where we are on that is like, this is just describing the second coming of Christ. Like, this is one moment. This isn't like, you know, seven years and then a thousand years and then maybe Christ will, you know, like. Yeah. And wasn't there a dream, too, that somebody had a, that a girl in Scotland? Oh, yeah. Scotland. Her um, name. Mary. Was it Mary McDonald? Margaret MacDonald, born in uh, Port Glasgow in 1815, Scotland, and died around 1840. Um, so I wonder, so when when was John Darby? He was alive from, oh, 1800 to 1882. Okay, so they were contemporaries. So this is Wikipedia. Beginning in 1826 through 1829, a few preachers in Scotland emphasized that the world's problems could only be addressed through an outbreak of supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit. In response, 
There were a couple of ladies who manifested the charismatic experience, such as speaking in tongues. Um, some miraculous healings were reported. One of the people who was healed was Margaret MacDonald. There have been a couple of attempts to locate a source for Darby's concept of the rapture. Some people say that this is still in the Margaret McDonald's article. Um, right. Some say that he borrowed an idea from a source that he thought was demonic. Um, also, Darby had already written out his pre-tribulation rapture views in 1827, three years prior to the 1830 events and any McDonald utterance. So what is her utterance? Right. That's nice. I see that. So that was her actual, I guess, prophecy that lines up with this pre-tribulation rapture. And she goes on to say a bunch of things. Um, but apparently there was debate about whether or not that was from God. But then they decided, oh, wait, yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, we love the rapture. It's the new thing. <laughs> like, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. So John Darby, father of dispensationalism, came to the conclusion that these displays were demonic. I mean... Seems like a leap. Really there's a lot going on here. There is. Okay, her utterance, published in 1840... She basically has some vision. It was the first awful state of the land that was pressed upon me. I saw the great, I saw the blindness and infatuation of the people to be very great. I felt the cry of liberty just to be the hiss of the serpent to drown them in perdition. It was just, quote, no God. I repeated the words. Um, then she mentioned something about being caught up in the air. Um, it's quite long. Yeah, it's very long. I'm trying to see where the actual rapture part is. I mean, the as far as what lines up with pop evangelical culture now. <laughs> I mean, like, at the end, it's like, be be ready to meet our Lord in the air, which is what any Christian would also agree with. Like, our perspective is that, like, this life is to be spent preparing to meet our Lord. But um, I think this is where the big divergence is, is that, like, one of the most famous quotes, like, in Orthodox camp is from St. Seraphim of Sarab, and he said, uh, save yourself and thousands of souls around you will be saved. So kind of like, till your own garden, focus on sharing your abundance with those who are in need, loving others, loving your neighbor. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, Carolyn, but there's this, there's this kind of, it's, there's a scale in Christianity, right? Like, hmm. one side is like focusing on myself and not in like a bad way. But like like working out my salvation, which is something I never heard growing up because we're Protestant, but um we were Protestant. But basically doing good works and following God's commandments, trying to, to your best ability. On the other side, there is, you know, this awareness of the second coming of Christ and the final judgment. But I feel like in the rapturist view, those scales are very like in there's no balance and like the focus is is so much on the rapture itself and the timing of it and when is it going to happen and how and who and that's where you get all these you know theories about how um you know the seven cities that are mentioned in revelation that's the vatican and rome and it's the catholic bishops are the harlot and like where i don't know like, I, I find it very interesting being on a complete opposite end of, like, the Christian spectrum now, because, like, mm, like yeah, all the all of your beans, what is it? All of your something is in one something. All of your <laughs> I don't know. beans are in one basket. I don't know. Like, all of, all of the attention is on that moment of this rapture moment. Mm. 
it really kind of becomes its own religion in a lot of ways. Yeah. Is what it seems like for the people that, because remember, the, like, I keep thinking about that Sunday school teacher. Every single week was a rapture movie or part of a rapture movie. Like all the things we could, out of all the things we could have learned, out of all the things we could have talked about, you know, that specific thing right. was driven home over and over and over again in a very sensationalist way. And it, people, for whatever reason, just gravitate toward it. And when I look at this whole John Darby or what's her name, Margaret McDonald, it just seems like there's very little basis for it. And I say that as someone who's not in the church anymore. So I don't identify as a Christian or as someone, you know, in the church. But the reason I'm so salty about it is because I mean I do have a lot of trauma from those ideas but also there's people who still are in the church like yourself um people who are in more progressive churches who you know and people who do believe sort of in an end times or a judgment or whatever but they don't necessarily believe in the rapture and they're often looked at as if they're some sort of heretics just because they don't buy into this weird sensationalist you know, post 1800s, like thing that came out of a couple of Bible verses. It just, I find it just because of how it's taken and kind of twisted around. And I think used as a bit of a manipulative tool. Um, and then that's been my own experience of it. I can speak for myself. Um, mm -hmm. I just keep thinking like, if I didn't have those, those teachings growing up, like I might've had significantly less anxiety you know, we really didn't talk about it at home, but even just the fact that there was a bit of uncertainty there, you know, it was just, it was so scary. So, um, yeah, it really does seem like it's kind of its own, it's become its own religion. Actually, if I could, I want to read one of the, I want to read one of the comments because this goes back to something we were talking about earlier from the YouTube, the Nick Cage trailer. Oh. This person says, left behind a metaphor of Nicolas Cage's career. Oh. <laughs> Not the one, but I just read it now. <laughs> Here's another good one. I saw this movie on a plane and people still walked out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. So this person quotes uh, one of the, the female characters in this movie says, uh, the god that mom talked about would never do something like this. And you would, you messaged me later <laughs> earlier and said, like, I agree with that statement. <laughs> god would never do this, um, which is funny. But this person is referring to that quote and says, isn't it amazing how those who profess not to believe in God already know God is love, but selectively forget that he is also justice in caps lock. Goodness. Want to understand scripture? First, get to know the author. I hate it. There are many authors of scripture, actually. <laughs> the author. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's so many, like, I wonder how many there are. Fun fact, Revelation was actually written down by Prohoros the scribe of St. John on the island of Patmos in Greece. Tell that to far right of left, John. Well, we, isn't it interesting that we never learned that, Carolyn? I, I never learned that, did you? Who actually authored it, like penned it? Like nope. we, we knew that it came from John, like St. John, but I didn't know like, I don't know, like like we do call him St. Prosphoros, like he's a saint in our church because he wrote this down. Like I, I actually like the fact that the scribes are given sainthood. This is a really interesting quote from uh, Nicole Rokas. This is um, on a blog on ancientfaith.com, um, but she has a really nice infographic. I wonder if we could link this actually, because oh, yeah. it has a really good um, explanation of what it is. And I believe she is a convert. She's now married to an Orthodox priest in Canada. Um, so her experience sounds similar to ours. She mentions how um, 
kind of she came to the end of her time in the evangelical church by when she realized that she no longer believed in the rapture um and how uh she says to this day when she walks into an empty room or quiet home her instinct is still to check the floor for heaps of clothes um telltale signs that people have been raptured but um always the clothes always the clothes left um, behind from an orthodox perspective and i think you would agree carolyn the rapture doctrines are deeply problematic she says along with the general lack of evidence for the rapture in scripture or christian tradition a rapture oriented faith is detrimental to our relationship with christ it risks turning our lives into a never-ending search for the rapture rather than a never-ending pursuit of salvation in relationship with christ himself through participation of life in the church and then apparently there's a book called the heresy of the rapture hmm. nice. written in 2014 by father stephen kostoff Orthodox Maybe it was after he watched the Left Behind movie that came out in 2014. <laughs> Orthodox theologians do not spend slash waste their time calculating the time of the parousia, I, if I'm saying the Greek correctly, second coming of Christ, um, the parousia, nor do they attempt to describe what is essentially indescribable. Vigilance and preparedness are essential virtues according to the teaching of Christ. Meaning, you know, loving our neighbor and sharing with the poor and doing good works and following God's commandments. Is what that means um and that's where i think where our conversation was headed was right here like that focus on the rapture distracts from can distract from that i mean yeah if you spend your whole life being obsessed over this you know weird not really theologically based um event i remember going to i think i stayed with you guys in 2011 there was supposed to be a rapture that year do you remember Oh, but then there was also in 2012, right? Because of the Mayan calendar or something? Yeah, then it was supposed to be in 2012. I remember there, there was one group, I think it was 2011, that they were real excited about it. And they were like selling their stuff, emptying the their bank accounts. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. It was 2011. Wasn't there a guy at the head of that? Yeah, there was a dude. There's always, always someone. Very interesting. Um, He was certain. He had like a date. Which isn't in the Bible, doesn't it say there's yeah. like, no one knows the day, but anyway. Yeah, it does. Uh, this is interesting. Doctrines of the rapture, this is in the infographic, appeal, doctrines of the rapture appeal to powerful existential tendencies like escapism, futurism, mm -hmm. and separatism. That's what you were saying earlier. Just people, preppers. Preppers. Harold Camping, American Christian radio host, stated that the rapture and judgment day would take place on May 21st, 2011. And that the end of the world would take place five months later on October 21st. Okay, so from his point of view, the tribulation would only end five months long. So that's not that bad. <laughs> I don't know where he gets these numbers from, but yeah, he uh, was claimed the Bible as his source. Oh. Lynn, I hate it. Why do they? <laughs> I just want to say I have this really cute little Bible here. I don't know if I should use the word cute, but I, it's just the sweet, like, Amazon Bible, and it's like, if anybody needs a good Bible. Well, in that cute little, little leather Bible, can you find where it says May 21st will be the date of the rapture and the day of judgment? Because he's saying, and I quote, beyond the shadow of a doubt. So just keep looking. It's in there, apparently. Oh, and it will occur at 6 p.m. local time. What in the world? Oh, this is great. Um... Yeah, so people, I guess the vast majority of people kind of thought that maybe there's not something to his ideas, but he had a whole group that thought that there was. 
So then he tried to shift what he said. And then he said, well, it's a spiritual day of judgment. And then so once October 21st passed and there was no end of the world, um, in 2012, he humbly acknowledged in a letter to family radio listeners that he had been mistaken and that the attempt to predict a date was sinful. Oh, wow. So he actually, that's, you know what, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Harold for actually not sidestepping any further and actually saying wow that's like incredible that he like publicly confessed essentially it really is it's rare (laughs) it really is is rare rare. least he can do since all these people like sold their stuff and like i mean bought into that but like it's just it's it's its own like it's crazy i don't know i just it's crazy but it's like so it's very real to people and i remember just the fear you know thinking that like while we don't know for sure what the real interpretation is, what if it's this? And, you know, I watched those awful movies from the 1970s and I remember seeing Patty, our lead character, our hero. Um, and I like related to her a lot because the, some of the stuff she said, she was bored in church. I was also bored in church. And so I mm-hmm. thought like, I'm no better than Patty from this movie. I'm also going to get left behind. Like it, you know, I mean, I was 12. Yeah, still. isn't that the secret? Because that's what I thought of, like, when I when I read um, what Father Stephen Andrew Damick um, said about, Andrew Stephen, sorry, what he said about, like, some people believe in a secret rapture. That was my first thought, was that movie? Like, how mm-hmm. some people aren't going to be aware of it, which actually is really antithetical to what scripture actually teaches. Like, Just picturing, like, secret piles of clothes, like, right, like you're not going to be places. aware you're not going to be aware of the final yeah what's the point like like that's what i guess like this is what like from christian camp not that kind of christian camp <laughs> christian camp oh no christian- not christian camp <laughs> from that side like i i i guess like like once you and i've heard many people who like convert to either catholicism or orthodoxy from protestantism say like like once you get a bigger picture of christian history and once you discover the teachings of the early church from the first century through modern time but essentially like that period of time before the protestant reformation like it's just really surprising that there's so much belief in an idea that was created so recently and was never ever ever mentioned before that like so so and this is what one source said he said so you're telling me that you know the rapturists are more in tune with the holy spirit than the early church fathers and then i guess than the apostles then if it's if they didn't record it in that verbiage but they're pointing to certain verses and twisting it around to make it look like they're talking about even though it's kind of funny there's different interpretations like that verse there's two two people in a field one taken one left there's mm-hmm. another interpretation that the one taken is being thrown into hell for some reason so that person's not being raptured they're being i guess anti-raptured i don't know but to me that just shows like we don't really know i mean i'm speaking from someone i don't live by the bible so i have to full disclosure there but even within christianity like i can speak as someone who was you know once in that group there's so much room for interpretation to me it just doesn't make sense to pick one especially one like that like the rapture and like the end times and those 
the scripture that was written was so what's the word reads like an acid trip really <laughs> like it's very yeah. very apocalyptic apocalyptic and like it's it's funny because like the role of revelation like when i converted to orthodoxy i pr I, I really haven't touched the book of revelation and i almost wonder if it's because i needed to take a break um and where do we see it is in liturgy and actually the focus is more on the beautiful images of angels praising god like that's part of our liturgy is like holy 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 lord god of sabbath heaven and earth proclaim i forget what it is because we sing in slavonic i should probably know it in english you know there's like there's so many beautiful things in here and i don't think that those were ever I mean, I remember them mentioned, and some of them are in um, some of them are in hymns. Okay, like "Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come." Do you remember that hymn? Mm -hmm. We're singing that. Like, there's there's a lot of beauty in here that's not scary. Like, I was really surprised, like when I started like singing in the church choir, like hearing a lot of verses that were so beautiful, and I would look it up, like, "Oh, what's that from?" And it was like, "Oh, that's from Revelation." And I was like, that's so interesting that there's like uplifting and beautiful stuff in there. That's not scary. Like, Come to think of it, I remember the first time I read Revelation was around the time that we were doing all those Left Behind movies. Because I was like, okay, I got to see where where this is in here. Because they're saying it's in here and I want to see where it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I had a maybe a slightly above grade 8 reading level at that point. Or no, grade 7, however old I was. Um but I remember reading it and thinking like, what? <laughs> this is not what I expected because like the Sunday school dude kept saying like, oh, this is in here. It's in the Bible. You know, people being beheaded, that's in the Bible and the Antichrist, uh, all this stuff's in the Bible. And I remember reading it and I was like, did I miss something? Like, and um, I remember my parents kind of explained, well, no, it was written in a way that's, you know, more poetic or whatever, but it didn't really, it wasn't enough to convince me that, hey, this rapture stuff is a loose interpretation of what some things in this book say, because I think I just wasn't old enough or mature enough to be able to make that connection because everyone else was so adamant and so emotional over this rapture idea. And like even my own family, they're not super into the rapture and they, I think they're not, they wouldn't say that that's how they think it's going to happen, but they wouldn't even they wouldn't even go there and say like, no, that's definitely crap. That's not true. You're not going back to that Sunday school. You know, <laughs> like it's just, I don't understand the attachment to that idea. Also, I wanted to read from a non-Christian perspective. I think this review is interesting. So somebody mm -hmm. wrote a review of the Nick Cage movie um, on IMDb. And I think it's kind of funny how, um, and interesting how they word it. So the subject line is, I want my money back. This is the top review. You can read it on the internet. Movie was simply awful, really, really bad. Uh, and to those who are going to argue that the reason why this movie is rated so low is because people are becoming anti-Christian, no. The acting was terrible. The script was horrendous, seriously. Um, worst of all is the message it's trying to send. Isn't it curious that the movie tried so hard to portray all those that were left as bad, messed up people? So is that supposed to mean that those who don't believe in the Christian God are all either cheaters, flirts, gamblers, thieves, mm. drug addicts, and just generally messed up? Because that's what I saw. Don't think I wouldn't catch that. Uh, I get that it's a Christian movie, but it's still a pretty offensive way of showing off your faith. 
Wow, that's really interesting, Carolyn, isn't it? I never realized that before, that the people who are left behind are like, they have like the sins that like, I think it encourages viewing people in a certain way. Yes. Like, oh, that person goes to the casino, well, oh, I, mm, I better, <laughs> I'm much better than them. Like, I just, I get worried about like, the attitude that that creates or created, like, mm -hmm. the way we were brought up to was to be, I mean, it's it, it does, like, I guess I get worried, like, because I remember growing up, like, being worried about, like, other people getting left behind, I know you did too, like, but it was, I remember having this awareness of, like, oh, they're gambling, like, are they going to be left behind, like, are they, like, are they going to be okay, like, but that's, again, where it comes back to, like, the difference in thought where like orthodoxy says save yourself and thousands of souls around you will be saved why was i even looking at other people like obviously i would be worried if somebody i love were to you know be gambling like a lot and i was like worried about them like you know but like i i think it's very dangerous to like to be interpreting people's behavior and one like there's a level of judgment that that requires on your part you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah there's a it, it encourages a very us versus them yes you know and i that's one of my problems i have in general with especially with evangelicalism is there is a lot of that there um you know referring to people in a blanket sense as sinners or as like the world um you know and and being in the world and not of it and there was always, I know for me, I remember being like, even in youth group and Sunday school, all of this, this uh, encouragement to, you know, see them as the other and mm -hmm. to see myself as different. And there's always people saying, well, you're going to be different. You're not going to be accepted. You're not supposed to be accepted. If you're accepted and loved in the world, you know, you're doing it wrong, essentially. So they sort of, it's a lot of that is encouraged, I feel like. And mm -hmm. it just really ends up doing the opposite to what it seems Jesus would have intended in the scriptures. Yep. And I would also like to add just the view that Christians, I'm saying in general, more like evangelical Christians, the view that evangelical Christians seem to have of non-Christians is that just like that, we're all a bunch of awful cheats and gamblers and we're stupid and we don't know anything. Many of us grew up in this way of thinking. A lot of us have done a lot of reading you know, sometimes there's some things with Christianity that I would agree with still, mostly, I guess, the teachings of, of Jesus. I don't think there's much harmful in those. Um, but anyway, there just seems to be this overly simplified view of non-Christians mm. as being the enemy. And it just is, I think, very harmful and does a lot of separating. And that's exactly, it's funny you say that because that's what's on um, the infographic from Nicole Rokas when she says that the doctrines of the rapture appeal to tendencies like escapism, futurism, and separatism. So I just read the separatism note. It says the tendency to distinguish and distance oneself from the other. Rapturism draws firm lines between the saved and unsaved, the faithful and the condemned, the raptured and the not so raptured. And I think she must be saying this in terms of like, like I know who's saved and not saved. Yeah. Like me, like why, why would I know that? Oh man, it's like, I think that that was probably for me one of the most, like looking back, I think that that was a very harmful, very harmful, very dangerous doctrine, mm -hmm. was the idea that I can tell who is redeemed and who's not. 
Yeah. That's really not good. No. Yeah. I agree. And it doesn't really exactly encourage, you know, loving and understanding people who are different than us mm-hmm. and learning about and caring for other people. It just doesn't foster that. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying that that's true Christianity. I'm not here to to say what true Christianity is. I'm just saying that that's the breed. That's the brand of evangelical Christianity that I was steeped in. And like, I did it too. I'm not any better. Like I, I passed those ideas along. I totally thought, you know, my friends were all going to go to hell. And like, I worried about that a lot. Right. Like, cause, and then it would come back to me. I would think, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job of witnessing. And then deep down, I was just scared I was going to hell. And that was a whole other thing. But uh, man, it really, um, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. And like the separatism, like that is a really interesting notion. Cause like it creates the idea of like, like I have the knowledge of like who's saved and not saved. And like, it's like the things you were just saying, like I have to tell everybody and like, um, I'm not sure how much, like, like, I think it left the opportunity to neglect some other Christian teachings, the teachings of Christ, like fasting, giving, praying, like those are the basics. Those are the basics. Mm. Um, we didn't have any liturgical form of fasting, which most of the church does in the Catholic mm. and Orthodox tradition, which is the majority. That's an essential part of Christianity is like, like doing those things fasting and giving your money to the poor and sharing with the, like that can look like a lot of different things mm-hmm. and praying and like i'm just kind of confused why we were raised kind of like i remember hearing that in sermons but i just think that in other outside of rapturist world like like in catholicism and orthodoxy like fasting giving praying i mean those are like the those are the basics and i felt like growing up the way we did it felt like the rapture was like the basics Mm. whereas like if you look at like early christian texts like that's what it was about was those three things which jesus said himself in matthew 6 like i felt like the rapture was like it does distract and Oh, it does. <laughs> I still have nightmares to this day. Like, I think the last nightmare I had was a few months ago because someone on the news was going on about how they thought the COVID vaccine was the mark of the beast, something about buying and selling or whatever. And then I instantly got like this flashback to like, you know, being 12 again. I was like, oh no, what's happening? And then I'm thinking like, no, it's not. Like, I know that it's not, but it's just my, it's like my body has this, this memory, this sense memory of constantly being afraid and going home and thinking if my parents don't respond to me within five minutes if I like call for them they're gone and I'm gonna be foraging in the woods and trying to get trying to keep from getting my head chopped up <laughs> like oh it just it was so visceral and like so much a part of my life and um yeah so I guess it's no wonder that even now years later like 15 14 15 years later it still seeps in from time to time even though I know intellectually, I don't, I don't believe in it, but it still is like a part of me. So <laughs> that's another reason I really wanted to do this episode because that's, it's, it's one of the theology points that really, really messed with me, um, as a young person and apparently mm-hmm. as a 30 something as well. So <laughs> a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, a lot of confusion. Like I remember kind of putting it on the back burner, maybe, maybe I did for a while. And then I find it really interesting that in seminary, this was not discussed. I think we did talk about briefly, like different views of Revelation, like 
and actually maybe even in undergrad more than in seminary but like we maybe touched on the different views of revelation um in within evangelical thought but that was it we didn't it, it was never like it was actually never opened up for conversation like you know in our protestant reformation class you know we had like hours to spend on like arminianism calvinism and we would have debates which like in orthodoxy is not like and catholicism like jesus said do not have divisions among you <laughs> so I, I also remember being confused about that <laughs> why are we divided yeah, so, um i think for me like that one of the biggest things that i i'm happy to have let go of in life is the idea of like worrying about large groups of people that like are also christians but they're not saved like i was raised thinking that like catholics are not saved orthodox mm -hmm. people are not saved um and i remember like i don't know this it, there's an individual i'm thinking of um very nice person i served in the military with him um this person went on a mission not religious mission, like military mission. I can't say deployment because it wasn't a deployment. It was kind of like a mission to Ukraine. And um, the job there was to be training with Ukrainian soldiers. And um, I was in the chaplain corps and this person was also in the chaplain corps. I think that they, they met up with some local clergy and just did some dialoguing and stuff probably, I don't know about what. Um, but he came back and said how nice Ukrainians were and how he really enjoyed like learning about them and everything but he said um it's too bad they're not saved hmm. and I was like well like what do you mean he was like well they're orthodox Christians and I just remember and I wasn't even a convert yet but I just remember like at this point I was still evangelical but I was just remember thinking like that's kind of like strange though I was like how can they like what super <laughs> Yeah, and like the idea that like these people literally believe, like we believe we receive the body and blood of Christ. So like how like, and Christian history in that part of the world goes way back, like nine eighty something AD. So wow, it's very funny. Yeah, I will say that is one thing that I find hard to get used to is like, and that's one of the things I think I knew when I kind of left the church that it was going to be the hardest was spending time with Christians that knew beyond beyond the shadow of a doubt that I was going to hell. And I don't agree with that, but it just, it makes me sad because I don't want people to be sad that I'm apparently going to hell. And it feels very judgy because you know that just this group of people does not approve of you. And that's why like I've become distant with a lot of, you know, people from my past who are still, not everybody, but yeah, I've just kind of had to distance myself because I have a hard time with this notion that they, that I'm just the other, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They look at me as the other and as the unsaved and as someone who's going to be left behind, <laughs> even though I don't agree with that. And I don't think that there's any basis for that. It's just a strange feeling. And it's something that I personally have trouble with. And I know that I used to look at other people that way too. Um, even though I don't think I had a sense of like, I know for sure these people are going to hell. Like, I, I think I always mm -hmm. questioned that hell never made a lot of sense to me when I was in the church. I didn't really talk about that very much because I didn't want to get in trouble, but, um, it wasn't until later where I, I started to ask more questions about that. But, um, yeah, as someone who's outside of the church, it's, it's a very weird feeling to be kind of judged in that way, but. Sorry, Carolyn. It's like, you know, what's really ironic? What? 
some Christians think I'm going to hell. I know. That's what that's that was one of my that was one of the um inspiration kind of points I think to us starting this too is I'm not in the church at all. You're still very much in the church. And just more, I didn't go for a few weeks, Carolyn. Oh, well, now you're going to hell. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just joking. Yeah. I shouldn't joke like that. It's like brings back trauma. Yes. But yeah, it's just, it's zany. What can I say? All I can do is just laugh at these end times rapture movies. And uh, I still want to watch that old one. What is What was the old one called? With the 1941 Pat- one? You know, the seven, there was like a 70s one or something. Or like- Thief in the Night? Thief in the Night. I need to watch it. Oh, yeah. I'll send it to you. We got to do, you'll come back, right? And we'll do, um, yes. I need to figure out my sound situation on this on this computer so that we can have the sound from the movie and also um, make fun of it as we're watching it. So that we I can think we could have like silhouettes of our heads, like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, that's what TikTok is. That's what the kids are doing on TikTok. So I'm trying is to. Is it really? Yeah, you can like put videos in and you know, you can talk kind of in front of them. Um, I sound like such an old person. Oh, what has happened? What else? Oh my goodness.